Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast, of course, brought to you by our very good friends at Alumni Hall. They've got you covered for all your Georgia gear and accessory needs. Whatever brand you're looking for, whatever style you're looking for, you're not going to find a better selection of Georgia gear anywhere on planet Earth. Trust me on that, guys. As a fine connoisseur of Georgia gear myself, I've tried just about everywhere, and nowhere comes close to touching Alumni Hall. So make sure to check them out today online at alumnihall.com or in-store here in the Classic City inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center. But all right, guys, I'm your host, Tyler. And as promised last week, today we are kicking off our deep dive into Georgia's second-ranked 2023 recruiting class. We did touch on a few players last week in our late signing day recap episode, but that was just more of a kind of a fun big picture of the class than it was a deep dive into all the individual players, which is what we eventually wanted to get to. So that's what today is for. We're going to start that process. We're going to give you guys a breakdown of each and every player in this 2023 recruiting class because those guys are the future. That's why I'm spending time doing not just one episode. Eventually, we're going to do two episodes on this stuff because these are the guys that are going to keep this program at the top. I, I have always find it hilarious when there are those college football talking heads out there that are very dismissive of recruiting rankings and recruiting process and are always like, well, yeah, well, let's see what happens once they get on campus. Get out of here with that. There is a direct correlation between recruiting rankings and on-field success, recruiting rankings and championships. Does that mean that everybody recruits at a high level is automatically going to win championships? No, of course it does not. Coaching still matters, deployment, scheme, all that still matters, development still matters, but it doesn't matter. Like If you have the greatest scheme on earth, if you have the best developers of talent there there is in the world out there, chances are you're still not going to win a national championship because more than anything, you have to have the raw materials. And in the world of college football, the raw materials are the players themselves. So I just, I find it hilarious when people try to sit there and, and act like recruiting rankings aren't that big of a deal. Yeah, they are. So that's why we are doing these episodes here over the next week or two, because these guys are the future. These are the guys that are up next. These are the guys that are going to keep us on track, keep this meme machine rolling down the track. So we're going to cover each and every player in this class. And it's a lot of guys, 26 to be exact. So 
We can't do them all justice in one episode, as I was referring to a second ago. So we are. We're going to break it down into, into two episodes. We're going to have an offensive and defensive episode. And we're going to start today with the offensive players. Now, this is a defense-heavy class. We've got 11 players out of the 26 that are going to be playing on the offensive side of the ball. I guess you could say 12 if you count the kicker, Woodring, which is cool. We can, I guess we can count him. But I've got 11 position players on offense that we're going to break down in detail today. And we're going to start at the bottom, work our way up. And when I say start at the bottom, I mean the lowest rated offensive prospect in this class. And then we will work our way up to the highest rated offensive prospect in this class. But kicking things off today, let's start with interior offensive lineman Joshua Miller. Miller is a three-star prospect, ranked number 649th nationally, according to the 247 composite ratings, and number 57th nationally as an interior offensive lineman. Comes out of Colonial Heights, Virginia. And he's a big dude. He's 6'5", 305 pounds. And I know you see the ranking. I know a lot of people, when you're just giving like a cursory look at the class, you're looking at stars, right? How many three stars? How many four stars? How many five stars? And a lot of people try to judge a class based on the number of five stars or the number of high-level four stars. And I get that. I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't do that to some degree. But I know there's a lot of people also that kind of just look at a three-star prospect and just completely dismiss them saying, oh man, it's just a three-star guy. It's not that big of a deal. And, and sometimes that's the case. Sure. I mean, there is definitely a positive correlation between your recruiting ranking coming out of high school and where you ultimately get drafted in the NFL draft. Or if you get drafted in the NFL draft, four and five-star prospects do tend to get drafted more so in the first round than three-star prospects. They do tend to get drafted overall more than three-star prospects. So four and five-star guys, you hit on those more often than you do three-stars. But just because a dude's a three-star does not mean that he will not grow into a big-time player, cannot develop into a big-time player. We've seen plenty of examples on our own roster over the past several years. You can go Jordan Davis, who's a three-star guy, coming out of North Carolina, Stetson Bennett, obviously was an afterthought. He's a preferred walk-on. I mean, we didn't even think enough of him to offer the guy a scholarship coming out of high school. Lad McConkey was an afterthought. Javon Bullard, who was the MVP, uh, the defensive MVP of both playoff games this season for us, was number 634 nationally himself. He was definitely a three-star prospect. He was only ranked as the number 52 cornerback in the entire country and the 52nd best player in the state of Georgia. So just because you're ranked as a three-star doesn't mean that you can't be a big-time player. And I, over the years, I've learned to not just dismiss those guys based off of simply their, their star rating or where they're ranked in the country. You've got to actually go to the tape. I always encourage you guys, watch the tape. Now, some tape is better than others. Some guys have more tape than others, but make those judgments for yourself. Don't just rely on a recruiting writer to tell you, oh, this guy's only the number 634th best player in the country because chances are those guys haven't really laid eyes on them. They, if they haven't seen them in camp, then they really, really do not have much to work with. And oftentimes there's so many players and guys, there's only so many guys that do the recruiting writing and do the rankings. I mean, they are undermanned. There's so many high school prospects in the country. Think about all the dudes that play high school football out there, guys. There's no way they can see all of them and accurately grade every single one of them. So yes, naturally, they are going to lean more heavily on their in-person evaluations. And how do they see them in person? They see them at camps. They don't They don't have the, the wherewithal to go out to all these games and see all these guys. So I'm not trying to fault them. I'm just telling you how the process works. And some of these guys just don't get to camps and maybe they're late bloomers and they're just not seen enough by these guys with the rankings. And that's how guys slip between the cracks. And I think Joshua Miller could be one of those guys. You know, it is more of a crap shooting. Talk about three stars. I'm not going to sit here and tell you with a straight face that I have 
complete and utter confidence that Joshua Miller is going to be a big-time player for us and a multi-year starter on the offensive line. I can't sit here and tell you that. What I can tell you is when you watch him on tape, he moves really well for a guy that size, 6'5", 300-plus pounds. I think he's really, really athletic for a guard. I do not think he's a tackle at the next level. I don't think he's a left tackle. I definitely don't think he's a left tackle, and I don't even think he's a right tackle. He does play left tackle in high school, but you that, that's not uncommon. With these guys who are SEC caliber players, or, or at least D1 caliber players, that usually means they're the best player on their team, or at least on their offensive line. And even though they might not be athletic enough to play tackle at the college level, they're still the best athlete on the offensive line for their particular high school team. So they usually play them at that premier position. So that's not uncommon. But just because he plays left tackle in high school does not mean that he's going to translate as a left tackle at the college level. I do not see that from because I don't think he has the foot quickness or the link for that. I think he moves really well for a guard. I don't think he moves well for a left tackle. He's also a guy with that size who's who's a really powerful blocker. I think he plays with a really good base. I love his mean streak. He, he has that kind of play to the whistle, drive you into the ground type mean streak. And that's something I do look for at offensive linemen because, guys, it's a man's world there in the trenches. So you can't be a meek little player on the interior of the offensive line. You have to be a dirty, nasty player. I'm not saying take cheap shots, but you got to have a little something to you, a little something extra. And I, I see that on tape from Joshua Miller. Now, there's a couple more offensive line that we're going to talk about in this in this episode. But I want to go ahead and mention this with all these guys. I'm just say, say here at the outset. I believe that offensive line is the toughest position to project going forward from high school to the college level for a couple of reasons. Number one, usually more often than not, depending on what level you play at, you are a man amongst boys there at the high school level. Most of the defensive linemen that you're blocking at the at the high school level, especially if it's, you know, like a a single A, two A, three A school, a lot of those guys, you just physically outman them. It, it's really hard to make any sort of definitive judgments when you're just a hundred pounds bigger than the dude that you're blocking in front of you. And the guy has no chance to out athlete you because you're just a better athlete than him. That's really hard to, tr- to to project how you're gonna translate from the high school level to the college level. And when you're just so physically dominant, it's just hard to tell. So what I look at when I'm trying to gauge the talent level of an offensive lineman, I'm looking number one for, it's all technique for me. It's athleticism, okay? How good of an athlete are you? How well do you move? How well do you bend? Do you have knee flexibility? Do you have ankle flexibility? Do you know how to use your hands? Do you have good hand placement? Do you block with a good base? Do you stay balanced and not get overextended? How powerful is your punch? All of those things. That's what I'm looking at. I'm not looking necessarily how much you dominate the man in front of you because, guys, if there's an offensive lineman that we are recruiting the University of Georgia, you sure as hell better be dominating the guy in front of you because chances are that guy is a lot smaller than you and a lot less of an athlete than you are. So you better dominate them. I expect that. That's not really what I'm looking for. I mean, it's cool to see. You know, you see them like on these highlights just driving guys in the ground, but you know, every every guy that we're on the offensive line should be doing that. If you're not, that that is a red flag. That's a warning sign. So it's not that's not really what I'm looking for. I know those are kind of like, oh wow plays, but also look at the competition. You have to judge things outside of just how much he's dominating that one guy in front of him, unless it's one of these other guys that's a high-level player himself. That's why a lot of these recruiting rankers and recruiting writers put a lot of emphasis on the all-star games and the all-star practices, because that's when these guys are going to go up against other similar caliber prospects, and you can learn a lot more about them than you can when they're playing East Bumfield, USA on any random Friday night here in the state of Georgia. So I'm just putting that out there. Like when I'm talking about offensive line evaluations, this is probably the position, not probably it is. It's always the position I'm least confident in when I'm trying to project to the next level and how good you're going to be. But 
I still try to give it a shot. And I think Josh Miller, with his athleticism and the power that he plays with, the mean street that he plays with, I think he'd be a really, really good interior offensive line prospect for us. I just don't see him as a tackle in any way, shape, or form. All right, going to the next guy here, another offensive lineman, a dude by the name of Jamal Merriweather, who we were able to flip from UCF. And look, guys, I know the reaction. I know the reaction when you sit there and hear me say we flipped him from UCF. I've, I've seen on social media, I've heard it from buddies, like we're flipping guys from UCF now, like that's where we stoop to in the offensive line, what's going on Stacey Searles? I get it, I get it, I, I get it, I understand the concept of, hey, we want to make sure we're recruiting guys that the other big boys are recruiting, and most of the time we do guys, most of the time we do, but at this point, do we not trust our coaching staff? Do we not trust the evaluations these guys make? Let's again go back to the guys I mentioned a few minutes ago, guys like Jordan Davis, Lad McConkey, Javon Bord, heck, A.D. Mitchell, for that matter. These weren't guys that were highly recruited. I mean, Lad McConkey grew up a Tennessee fan, guys. Like his family's like Tennessee legacy stuff. He was waiting on a Tennessee offer. Tennessee didn't evaluate him right. We did. And we offered the dude and look what he's done for us. Been a big time playmaker for us. Where would we have been this season without Lad McConkey? So at this point, I, I hope that we've learned to trust Kirby Smart and his staff and how they evaluate these prospects. I'm not saying they've had a thousand. They don't. No one does. But we're hitting a lot higher percentage on some of these lower rated guys, these three-star prospects, than our peers are. And so I, I I don't want you just to dismiss Merriweather just because he's a guy that we flipped from UCF. I think that's lazy. Again, go to the tape. Watch the tape. Don't base your opinion on these surface observations. Actually, go do your research, do your homework. And I think if you do, you might be pleasantly surprised in what you see from Jamal Merriweather. I think he's a guy that brings a lot of versatility to the table. Yeah, he's only a three-star prospect. Okay, cool. Number 425 nationally, number 31 offensive tackle in the country, number 51 in the state of Georgia. I, I get it. You look at that and you're like, okay, well, whatever. All right, next guy, next up, Tyler. Don't talk about this guy. Just move on. But again, watch the tape. And I think if you watch the tape, you see a guy that has a lot of versatility along the offensive line. I don't think that he is really a left tackle. I don't know if he's quite athletic enough to play that position at an SEC level, at a championship level. But he has a really, really good frame. I mean, this is a guy, if you look at his measurables, he is 6'6 287 pounds. So at 6'6 pushing 6'7, you're only 285. You've got a lot of of room to add some really good weight and to get bigger and stronger. And I love what this guy does already. I think he's got, again, a great frame. He's got really good growth potential there. I think he's really long. That's why I think he could play right tackle. I don't love him at left tackle. I think he could play there in a pinch, but I don't think he's your long-term answer at left tackle. I think he absolutely, though, could slide out and play right tackle. I think he'd be just as effective out there as a guy like Warren McClendon could. And Warren McClendon was really, really good for us for a number of years. But I love how he moves. That's why I think he has versatility. I think he could play right tackle. I like how he moves on the interior. I think he's got solid footwork. I think he's a guy that can also do a really good job in the pool game. Same thing with Josh. I think both those guys are athletic enough to be really, really good as pulling guards, which we use quite a bit when we, especially when we're running our counter game, which we, for a while this season, we kind of turned into a counter team. But a lot like Joshua Miller, I, I would just again say, don't dismiss him out of hand just based on the ranking. Watch the tape. I think both these guys can be really good interior offensive linemen for us. I think Merriweather is a little bit more athletic and he has a little bit more length. That's why I think he has a chance to maybe also play tackle with that versatility, which might give him a, a little bit of an edge on Joshua Miller. But hey, you get him into camp, onto campus here, you get him in the strength and, and, and training program, and, and you see where the chips fall and, and try to develop these guys. I think both of them could ultimately end up being pretty solid contributors for us down the line. Not right away. I don't think either one of those guys is an immediate impact type guy, 
But I do think give them a couple years with some development. These guys can they could eventually grow into starters for us. I, I do believe that based off what I've seen from them on tape. All right, moving right along here. So three prospects, three offensive linemen. The third guy on my list here is Kelton Smith. Now he's rated a good bit higher than both Merriweather and Miller are. Kelton Smith is number 208 nationally. He is our first four-star prospect on the list today. He's the number 10 interior offensive lineman in the country and is a top 20 player inside the state of Georgia out of Carver, Columbus. And he's a guy that when you watch him play, it's really tough for me to project him. I mentioned it's really tough for me to project offensive linemen in general, but especially offensive linemen that don't have senior highlights out there because guys grow a lot. They get a lot stronger from your 10th grade to your 11th grade year, from your 11th grade to your 12th grade year, especially along the offensive line. I think Kelton Smith can be a good player, but honestly, based off the film that I have access to, I have not seen this guy in person. But the film I have access to, I actually like both Joshua Miller and Jamal Merriweather a little bit better. It's not to say that Kelton Smith is not a good player. All right, if, if you're being signed by Georgia, you're a good player. But I think from an overall athleticism standpoint, I don't know if he's quite at the level of Miller and Merriweather. I think fundamentally he plays a little too high, a lot higher than Merriweather and Miller do. And offensive linemen, like playing, playing the trench guys is all about leverage and you can't play that high. That's something you got to coach out of. And that's something you can coach out somebody out of, but that, that's got to be done because he plays way too high right now, just relies on just brute strength, just being bigger, better, and stronger than the guys in front of him at the high school level. I also don't think that he bends all that well which that is more concerning to me than like the leverage they plays because that, that's, you know, you can fix the leverage more so with coaching. Bend, um, flexibility, all those things. I mean, yeah, you can improve that with yoga and just general stretching, all that kind of stuff. And we will, we'll improve that. But to how much of a degree? I mean, that, it just depends on where you're coming from. And I, I think he's got a long way to go there. So again, I'm not saying that he can't end up, end up developing into a, a starter for us and a good contributor. I think he can. He has that kind of potential. I just, and it's not so much that he's overrated. I think he's probably pretty properly rated. I just think Merriweather and Miller are underrated and should, I mean, I would honestly, if I was rating these guys, I would have them at least slightly ahead of Kelton Smith. But all three guys, I think, can eventually develop if they come into the program with the right attitude, come in, work, grind. I think they can all develop into starters down the road. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. 
All right, number four, let's move away from the offensive lineman. Let's talk about a skill player, and I am just absolutely fascinated by this next player. He's the kind of guy that I have salivated over for a long time. I really want us to sign a guy like this. Arian Smith is the closest we've had to him, but I think Anthony Evans, as a wide receiver, might be a notch better of a prospect coming out of high school than even Arian Smith was. Now, like Kelton Smith... There's not really any senior tape out there to watch, which that's somewhat frustrating because I want to see how these guys look as seniors because that's the closest version to what we're going to see when they get into the college level. You know, talk about junior tape, that's two years removed from what we're going to see once you get to campus. So it's it's just less, it tends to be a less accurate judgment and prediction and projection when you're talking about junior or sophomore tapes. I try to find senior tape, especially this time of year, if I can. Some guys just don't post senior tape, and it's really, it was really hard to find any of that from Anthony Evans. But here's what we know about Anthony Evans. This dude is freaking fast. I think I mentioned it on the the recap episode, the National Sign Day recap episode. This guy's a 10.2700 meter guy. Now, that's not quite Arian Smith level speed. Arian Smith is a 10.100 meter guy based on his time running track here at Georgia. But that's a 10 to 700 meter that was posted as a junior in high school. He absolutely could break 10 2 by the time he gets here to Athens. And I don't think he's going to run track, but if he ran track like Arian did for a year or two, he's a guy that, that could, I think, could eventually touch that kind of speed. He is an absolute track speed type guy. And here's why I say that I think he's a better prospect coming out of high school as a receiver than Arian Smith was. I just think he's a more polished actual receiver. Arian was really a track guy. Like he played a little bit of football in high school, but that that what didn't seem to be his focus. And he just was just straight speed guy. Not like why would you not be like you're just that much faster than everybody you play against? Yeah, just run a go route, line up, run a nine route, and just outrun everybody. Anthony Evans does that on tape. Absolutely, he does that. But that's not all that he does. He shows a lot more, a lot, a lot more of a varied skill set than what I saw from Arian coming out of high school. And I was very high on Arian because I wanted the speed. But Evans, I think, is more of a prototypical slot receiver. I think he tracks the ball really well in the air. He's shown the ability to to create space with double moves. I think he reads leverages of defenders well, which is something that you don't always see high school receivers do that. Understanding how the, the defenders playing them and how to option off of those guys. You see him run some RPO game and he has the ability to clearly take the ball in a short area and turn that into a huge play. He's very dangerous after the catch, really, really shifty in space. They'll they'll use him on speed sweeps, things like that, to just try to get the ball in this guy's hands and let him go to work. I mean, he is an absolute threat with the ball in his hands. Whether the ball's in his hands, whether he's running around, just running past you, this guy has all the things of being a big-time playmaking threat at the next level for the Georgia Bulldogs. And I am very, very excited to see what this guy can do once he gets on campus. So the only other player on our roster right now that can rival his speed is Arian Smith. So he gives us something that not a lot of players on our roster can give us. So I think that does give him a chance to potentially try to find a role early on in his freshman year. He, I think he is a slot receiver, but I think he also has the ability to play outside if we need, need him to, kind of like Lad. Like Lad can play outside. I think Lad is really a slot receiver, but we've needed him to at times based on injuries to play outside and he can do that just fine as well and I think Anthony Evans is is one of those types of guys um all right next up let's stick with the skill players another receiver a guy named Yazid Haynes who is ranked just inside the top 200 the 247 composite at number 199 a 27th receiver nationally number two in the state of Pennsylvania so we went up north to get this guy and I was really excited when we landed him 
we landed him back in July. We've had him on the on the commit list for a while. Anthony Evans was a little bit of a different story. We thought we were going to get him. He ended up coming to Oklahoma, and then almost immediately after coming to Oklahoma over the summer, you started to hear reports about how, how he was having second thoughts, and he was reaching back out to our coaching staff, and our coaching staff was kind of like, I don't know, man. Like I don't know if we can trust you right now because we thought you were coming here, and you ended up going somewhere else, pulled a fast one on us. Eventually, obviously, things worked out. He ends up back in our class. But Yazid Haynes is a guy that I was really excited about when we landed him because I didn't know that we were going to get Anthony Evans. And I also think Yazid Haynes is more of a slot receiver type guy. Same thing as with Anthony Evans. I think he can play outside, but he's just more of a slot receiver in my opinion. But I, I really like Yazid Haynes. Now, I will put this caveat out there. When you watch his tape, a lot of it, it, a lot of it is just him running wide open. And that's what tends to happen when it's highlights. I prefer to watch full games if I can. I have a subscription to this site called NFHS, which is like the National Federation of High School, something like that. But it's NFHS Network. Make sure I'm saying that right. NFHS Network. And during the football season, I pay like it's like fifteen dollars a month, low subscription. So it's what for the season? It's like sixty bucks. And I can watch, not every team is a part of it, but if, you, if a team is a part of it, you can watch their game. You can stream their games. And so I'm able to watch uh, a number of high school games. I don't watch usually full games, but I try to watch as much as I can some of these guys that we are recruiting. And so I get to see a good bit of those guys from that. But Yazid Haynes, when you look for his his t- tape and you find it and you just like his highlights, especially he's just running wide open. And you can only tell so much from that in terms of running routes and reading coverages because, like, he's just, like, teams are blowing coverages. He's just that much faster than guys. It's like, cool, I can see that you're fast. You're running by people, and the teams you're playing against are terrible, and they don't know how to actually design a coverage. But you don't really tell as much, again, from running routes, reading coverages, that kind of thing. But very similar to Evans, he is a speed guy. Now, I do not think he has quite the gear that Anthony Evans has, like that next, next, next gear, but he's still very, very fast. Comparing him to Anthony Evans from a speed standpoint is not really fair because Evans is elite when it comes to speed. But Haynes has really good hands. I think he's a guy that can go up and attack the football. He does show the ability to make contested catches. Um, and I don't, again, I don't think he is necessarily exclusively an inside guy. He's actually a little bit bigger than Evans when you look at him. So Evans is 5'10 160. Haynes is 6'1 170. So I think Evans can play outside. I think Evans can play outside in, in some situation. I think Haynes absolutely can because he's bigger than Evans. But I'm really, really, really excited about both these guys. And, you know, I, I think what you're starting to see is like, the guys that we're bringing in at the receiver position to our program right now, I think they're starting to look like the receivers Alabama has had for, what, five, six, seven years. Now, I'm not saying they're as highly rated as some of those guys, but when you watch the tape, like Anthony Evans, Yazid Haynes, they remind me a lot of guys like Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle and Henry Ruggs. Now, I'm not saying like they are going to be that good. Like I'm not saying I'm going to tell you that they're going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate. I'm not going to tell you that, but... In terms of the profile and the type of athletes that Alabama had been bringing into their program at that position, I think you're starting to see us go after and land some of those kind of guys. And I know receiver recruiting has been an issue for us for a while, but I think BMAC is going to change. I think he's already starting to change that. I think Anthony Evans and Yazid Haynes are two big pieces to that puzzle. All right, moving along here. Let's talk about Roderick Robinson out of the state of California. He is a running back, and I am really, really excited for all these guys, but I'm really intrigued by Roger Robinson because he is a big dude, 6'1", 230 out of San Diego. And at that size, like, what do you think? Like, you think big bruiser between the tackles, just run you over type guy. And trust me, he is all of that. He's big, he's physical, he's tough. But I will caution you, that's not all that Roger Robinson is. 
He's much more. He's a much better athlete than you would think. A guy that is six one two thirty is. He has really really good feet for a guy that size. Has great contact balance and take a hit and just and keep his balance and keep moving forward. And he can flat out move. This dude, he doesn't have like the greatest acceleration on earth. Like he doesn't get from zero to a hundred as fast as some others guys do. But once he gets moving, he is freaking moving. He was clocked at an. A high school game at 22 miles per hour at 230 pounds, guys. That is a runaway freight train. And he's tough, too. So he's big, strong, physical. Like, let me give you an example of this guy's toughness. So in their California State Championship game, he was playing De La Salle, right? His team, Lincoln High School, was playing De La Salle. And I watched some of this game on NFHS. They're playing De La Salle, who if you are familiar with high school football or in general, like De La Salle for a long time was an absolute powerhouse in California forever. They didn't even like lose a game. When I was in high school, I think it was like years they'd gone about losing a game. And they're still really, really good. They're in the state championship in, in California in their classification. Roger Robinson's team beat them. And why, why did I bring that up? Well, Robinson was on basically one leg in that game. You could see like he was limping all game. Even like when he was running, he was limping. But the dude was tough and he played the entire game on basically one leg, didn't come out of the game, just kept grinding, taking hits and going and going and scoring touchdowns. The dude put up 200 plus yards in the state championship game against a powerhouse in De La Salle on one freaking leg. In the state of California, they play football guys. There's some really good football out there. So this dude's tough. He's physical. He can move. I mean, he put up twenty, almost 2,400 yards rushing this year, 37 touchdowns on 217 carries. I am pumped up for this guy. Now, I know that everyone wanted to get Justice Haynes. I know that. I know everyone wanted to get Reuben Owens. I know that. And those guys are awesome. I would have loved to have gotten one of those guys too. But in terms of fallback plans, like if you want to call Roger Robinson a fallback plan, like this is a really good dude to kind of luck into as a quote-unquote fallback plans like a plan b type guy i mean this guy very very well could end up being a plan a type guy can have a better career than justice haynes or ruben owens those guys are great i'm not saying that they're not gonna have great careers i fully expect them to but i think roger robinson is gonna be a big time player for us as well okay let's keep this thing moving along here let's go to lawson lucky the titan out of norcross high school i used to play the old blue devils growing up i'm a gwinnett county product myself as those you've been listening to the show for a while you know that um so yeah i grew up like even like the gfl literally back in the day playing norcross and Lawson Lucky, uh, he's a guy that I, I'm pretty familiar with because that's, you know, I didn't grow up in Norcross, but I grew up close enough to it. And I still have some family. My parents still live in Gwinnett County. So um, I, I'm pretty tuned in to what's going on inside Gwinnett County. And this guy, I've known about him for a long time and heard about him coming up for a while now. But he's a big time tight end prospect. I mean, go figure. George is signing a big time tight end prospect. Who would have ever thought? But Lawson's a really good player, man. So uh, 6'3", 225. I have watched him actually play a couple of games. I watched him play in the Corky Cow kickoff classic earlier this season against Brookwood. I watched him play. I forget who it was. One of the games later in the season as well that was on TV. Maybe it was one of the playoff games. I can't remember. I watched him play a couple of games this year. And every time I watch one of his games, I come away just blown away with how, not just how good of a blocker he is, but how willing of a blocker he is. You don't typically see that from skill players, if you want to call it a tiny skill player, at the high school level. They want their stats, you know, they 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 want to be the one getting all the attention, getting all the love, like they want to be Mr. Popular, all that kind of thing. Like they want their numbers, right? You don't see guys buy into it at the high school level all that often. You really don't. But Lost and Lucky, I think, is an exception to that at the high school level. Because this dude is an absolutely ferocious blocker and that's what I believe will get him on the field early in his career I believe that especially with Darnell Washington moving on we love Brock Brock has Brock improved a lot in year two as a blocker he's 
always been a William blocker, and he got better at it from a technical fundamental standpoint. I, I saw some good things from Oscar Dub as the season progressed. So he did a really good job once he came in for, Dar- for Darnell in the Peach Bowl, but neither one of those guys are blockers by trade. Like They're more of like threats in the passing game than they are good blockers. I mean, they can certainly block. Don't get me wrong, and they will, they will get after you. But I think Lawson can give us that not to the degree that Darnell gave us, trust me. Like not, that's not what I'm saying. But I think he's a better blocker right now than than some of the guys that we have on our roster, the tight end position. So I think that's what will get him a chance to be on the field early in his career. And I mean, don't get me wrong, he is a good receiver. He is. He's not a Brock Bowers level receiver. I don't even think that he's an Oscar Dup level receiver. He's not. But that doesn't mean he's a good receiver. I mean, those guys are elite pass catching weapons from the tight end position. But he's a he is a really good athlete. That can make plays happen after the catch. Like you get him the ball in space, like he can actually make some things happen. Again, not to the level of Brock Bowers, but I mean that's an unfair comparison. He can definitely make things happen in the passing game. Give him the ball, and he can break tackles. He's athletic enough to, to pick up some yards after the catch. He is not just like the old school possession receiving type tight end. He's not that great blocker, but also a guy that I think can make some plays. And I do think he has a chance to get on the field maybe as early as this next season with what he can bring to the table from a blocking standpoint, as long as he continues to, you know, to get big. And he's a big, strong guy as it is already. But if you look at his numbers right here, so measurables, he is 6'3", 225, number 143 nationally, the number eight tight end in the country, the number 10 player in the state of Georgia. So I think Lawson Luggins is going to be a big time player for us. He's a Georgia legacy as well. So you'd love to have those guys on your roster. All right, next up, um, get another offensive lineman. So we've got Bo Hughley here, he's a guy that I'm not even really going to spend a lot of time on trying to dive into because if you look at his huddle, which is the site you look at to find these highlights, there's nothing more recent than sophomore highlights. And I haven't watched this guy play a full game, so I don't feel like I'm really well equipped here to give you anything hard on him. Now, I did, I've did. i watched the sophomore highlights a couple of times. I like what I see. He's athletic. He uh, is power, Even for a sophomore, he's powerful. So that, that, that usually says something pretty pretty impressive about the guy, that doing that as a sophomore. Um, but again, I, I don't want to sit here and tell you that I'm an expert on Bo Hewley because I'm not because I haven't seen a ton of tape on him. But he is a guy, I can at least give you his measurables and give you his ranking here, give you his profile. He's a guy that is a highly recruited offensive lineman. In fact, Auburn was coming after him heavily. And there were multiple times throughout the cycle that it seemed like a flip might be imminent. Um, he goes to Langston Hughes in, in Fairborn, Fairburn. Um, 6'7", 290, so a really good frame. He's a guy, He, I think he's got some versatility. He can play offensive tackle, yes. But I think he'd also play on the interior. Again, it's hard for me to say without seeing him. Like, I'm talking about tape that's two years old, right? And, and these offensive linemen, they develop so much from their sophomore to their senior year. But he's a fringe top 100 player, number 110 nationally, number six player in the state of Georgia. So he's got the recruiting profile. We know that a lot of other big-time programs are coming after him if you want to call Auburn a big-time program these days. But he's a guy that I'm glad we landed. I just don't have a ton of information on him because there's just not a ton out there to really watch that gives you an idea of who this guy is right now as he's set to enter the college game. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. 
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Okay, guys, that brings us to our top three highest rated players on the offensive side of the ball in this 2023 Georgia football recruiting class. And the next guy up here, I absolutely love. I think there's a world where receiver Tyler Williams has a chance to end up being the best offensive player in this class. And who knows, if he hits his full ceiling, if he reaches that point, he might end up being the best player overall in this entire class, offense or defense. I am very, very high on Tyler Williams' potential out wide at the wide receiver position. In fact, coming at 93 overall, I think he's ridiculously underrated. I think Williams is a top 50 player in the country. I, I truly believe that. Now, I'm not doing all the rankings, so I have to go in there and say, okay, who does he belong above? You know, Where do you want to put him and all those kind of things. But I think he's a top 50 caliber player. I'm not screaming and saying that he has to be a five-star, but I think he certainly has like first-round NFL draft pick potential in his future if, big if, because you never know how these guys will react to the college environment, how they grow, how they develop, how they respond to coaching, and really... The hardest thing to project with these guys is exactly that. Like, what are they made of from a character standpoint, a mental toughness standpoint? How important is being great to these guys? How hard are you willing to work? How much are you willing to sacrifice? How much time are you willing to put into this? How hard are you willing to grind? Those are things that I think really, really, really matter. I think that could be the difference between being a really good player, a super talented player, and then being like a, a great elite player, a transcendent type player. And that's just really hard to project because we don't recruit these guys. Like we follow recruiting. And I'm fortunate enough living here in Athens. I hear a few things here and there from people around the program. You hear the word on the street, but you don't really know these guys. And that's what makes it really hard to project. I can tell you how talented I think they are and what their ceiling is, what their potential is, what they excel at, what they struggle with. I can give you their measurables, all of those things. What I really can't give you consistently is the mental makeup. I do think that's where like, if you do the evaluation process the right way and you might evaluate one of these three-star guys and you can just see the hunger in them and you see the drive in them, the, the, the chip on their shoulder like Stetson's had to prove everyone wrong. I think a lot of times like, if you evaluate the right way and they have enough talent, those guys oftentimes end up being really, really productive players because they are willing to put in the time. They are made up of the right stuff because they've had to work really hard to get where they are. With some of these like just super talented guys that are just physically gifted, I'm not saying they don't work hard, but they haven't had to work as hard because things have just come easier to them because of their natural physical tools. Now, when you take a guy like Nick Chubb, who has all the physical tools, all those requisite tools, plus you match that with a legendary work ethic, that's when you get greatness. Same thing with Brock Bowers. All these insane physical tools, but has a ridiculous work ethic on top of it, that's when you get greatness. You have a lot of really talented players at the college level. Not all of them end up great. Actually, very few of them end up great end up elite because they don't have the work ethic. They don't have the desire. They don't have the mental fortitude to push through, to go from being a really talented player to being a truly great player. So that's just really tough to project. And I don't know if Tyler Williams has that. I hope he does. But if he does have any of that in him, I think physically this dude has got the goods. He's 6'3", 
200 pounds out of Lakeland, Florida, number 93 overall, uh, number 17 nationally uh, in the wide receiver rankings. I think that's crazy. I mean, I know there's a lot of really good receivers out there, and I don't want to demean any of them that are ranked ahead of him, but I just think Tyler Williams at 17, whew, man, like I, I really, really believe that is underselling this guy. Now, saying all that, he's another guy where there's no senior tape out there to find. I've watched his junior tape. I pulled up a couple of his games on NFHS and watched a fair amount of him. So he's a guy in Florida. I don't get to watch him here like on Peachtree TV or anything like that. No Corky Kell kickoff class or anything like that. But what I've seen of him, he is he is a guy that is the absolute definition of a prototypical X receiver. He's got the size at 6'3", 200 pounds. He's got the speed. He's a long strider, but a very smooth athlete. And a lot of times, guys that are that tall and that big, 6'3", 200, they don't typically move the way that Tyler Williams moves. He's very, very athletic. And you put all that together, size, speed, athleticism. This is a dude who screams big playability. He is a threat after the catch, which again, a lot of times, guys that are 6'3", 200 pounds, like those are guys who oftentimes are more of like your contested catch guy on the outside. They can go up, they can attack the ball, do George Pickens type stuff, but they might not be as much of a threat with the ball in their hands after the catch, like you would see like a slot receiver type guy. But I think Tyler Williams is really, really good after the catch, especially for a guy his size. And don't get me wrong, he's also a guy that can go up there and high point the football and, and win those contested catches. And he has awesome hand-eye coordination. When you watch his tape, guys, like you pull up his highlights, you pull it up, there are a number of different plays where you can see his eyes follow the ball through the air directly into his hands. And that is something that I, I don't think a lot of people put that much of an emphasis on, but that is priority number one is receiver. Like before you do anything else, we want to talk about how these guys can win the contested battles, the contested catches. We want to talk about how they can do back shoulders. We want to talk about how they can control their body in, in midair, contort their body. We want to talk about how they can make guys miss in space and run routes and hit people on double moves. All those things. And all those things are great too. Don't get me wrong. But before any of that even matters, you got to catch the football. He's got really good hands, and I love that hand-eye coordination. I truly believe he has future first-round wide receiver potential. Now, will he get there? He's not ready yet. Like He's still a little raw. He's got to continue to round out his route tree, those kind of things, just learn the nuances of that position. But from a physical standpoint, this guy has all the tools you could ask for and a guy that could potentially grow into a future first-round draft pick at the wide receiver position. We have not gotten guys like him in recent years, guys. I know like A.D. Mitchell turned out to be a really good player for us, and now he's gone. You know, whatever, A.D., good luck to you, I guess. But Tyler Williams, I think, has more physical ability than even A.D. does. So this is a guy, needless to say, and I'm very high on A.D. Mitchell. I'm not one of those guys that says A.D. sucks now because he doesn't play for us. So he's still a really good receiver. I still wish he was on our roster. But I think coming out of high school, at least, Tyler Williams has more physical ability. Now, will he end up being as productive as AD? Well, I mean, AD missed a lot of football for us, but he was still a good player, a very productive player for us, a dangerous player for us when he was on the field. But I think Ty Williams can be that kind of guy at the X position, if not more. And I know with the Ra-Ra Thomas uncertainty, I still lean right now towards Ra-Ra being a part of this team. I think they're ultimately going to drop that felony charge. We'll see how that plays out. But even if Ra Rod doesn't end up on the team, because he's the guy that you're going to slot in right now to play the X position, right? That's going to take over for for AD, like him and Marcus shows me Jackson. But 
even if something goes crazy there, they don't drop the charge, and he ends up not being a part of the team, Robert Thomas I'm talking about, I think Tyler Williams can truly come in and be a potential impact guy in year one. At the receiver position, that is a position where you can be an impact player because it, it's, it doesn't require as much physicality. You're not playing in the trenches against grown men. And we've seen guys, not just in our team, like you saw A.D. Mitchell uh, last year be an impact guy for us at that position when we had all those injuries. You saw Jermaine Burton do it in 2020. I mean, call him an impact player. That's a little bit of a stretch, but he made some plays where it's had some good games. Mississippi State game stands out in your mind. That's a position where you can make an impact as a freshman. I mean, our team, other teams, you see that happen. And I just wouldn't count Williams out in terms of being an impact player in year one. Now, again, as I always say with freshmen, you know, anything you get from a true freshman is gravy. I, I don't believe you should be in a position as a program having to go into a season counting on a true freshman to be an impact player. But if one of those guys steps up for you and surprises you, that's awesome. Like Malachi Starks, like we didn't go into the season depending on him being an impact player, but when he became the player that he was as early as he was, that's gravy. That's awesome. That's a luxury. But you just don't want to be in that position where you're counting on that. If you're counting on that consistently, then you're probably not competing for championships. But if they can give you something, then hey man, like you take that all day, every day. And I think Tyler Williams might be able to give us a little something this year. All right, moving to the top two here. The second tight end in this 2023 recruiting class. Second of two as of right now. We'll see what happens with Deuce Robinson. He probably won't be enrolling anywhere until June or July. We'll be following that here over the next couple of months. But right now, we've got Lawson Lucky, and we've also got Pierce Sperlin out of the state of Florida. Pierce Sperlin is kind of a freaky dude at tight end. He's 6'6", 240, number 76 overall nationally, the number two tight end in the country. And this guy, when you watch him play, he runs routes like a wide receiver. He's another guy that as there's no senior highlights out there to find him. So what I've seen of him is his junior tape, which I mean, when I see that junior tape and it's as good as it is, that makes me feel really good about what this guy can do for us even early in his career. Because I mean, this guy is making big time plays as a junior. So there's no telling how much he's improved, how much his body has has kind of been reshaped and, and gotten stronger over the past year or so. But he's a guy, again, he runs routes like a wide receiver. He drops his hips. He drops his weight really well to get in and out of breaks. Things you see wide receivers do. Things you don't really see tight ends do, especially coming out of high school. Maybe you can teach some of these guys to do it at the college level, but you don't really usually see tight ends running routes the way that Pierce Sperlin runs routes at the high school level. And what's probably most impressive about him, it's not just that, that's great, but he has an absolutely absurd catch radius. This guy has an 81-inch wingspan and 33-inch arms. So you can imagine with that catch radius, this guy has an insane ability to make the contested catches. I mean, watching what this guy is able to do in terms of 50-50 balls with bodies draped all around him, and really he's not even 50-50 balls. He probably should have like about a 20% chance to catch some of the balls that he catches, but with that catch radius, he's able to pluck those balls out of the air. You see him making leaping, diving catches, full body extension type catches. This guy has a crazy catch radius, and you couple that with his natural athleticism at that size and his ability to run routes and create separation that way, you have a big-time weapon in the passing game on your hands. So I'm very, very high on what Sperling can bring us. Now, um, he's still a little doughy, I guess I would say. I guess it's a nice way, if that's a nice way to say it. I don't know. Is that a nice way? I don't know. A little doughy, a little soft around the middle. I think that will change in college. He's a guy, I mean, he's got the, an incredible frame. Again, this guy, 
is 6'6", 240, but it, he needs to add a little, like, more, like, legit strong muscle mass there and kind of turn some of that dough into, like, actual muscle. And he will do that. I have absolutely zero doubt that he will do that once again in Scott Strickland's strength and training program, and his body will change. He does need to get a little physically stronger. That is going to happen. He is a capable blocker. He is not as advanced as a blocker as Lawson Lucky is, but I don't think he's going to have to be. I mean, he's got to be He's got to be serviceable in that regard, and we'll get him there. I, I have full faith that, uh, that we'll get him to that point. Not only is Todd Hartley a fantastic recruiter, maybe the best recruiter in the country at his position, but he's also been a really, really great developer of talent at that position. Our, our tight ends have gotten better each and every year under him. I know they're really talented, but they've improved from a technical standpoint each and every year. So I have zero doubt he will improve there. He's just That's just not his game right now. I'm not saying he can't do it. It's just not what he's great at. But as a pass catcher, this guy is an absolute weapon. And I cannot wait to see what we do with him once we get him on campus. I mean, we have an embarrassment of riches, guys. We know that. We had it last year. Now, all those guys did not end up playing. Oscar Dump did not play as much as I thought he might as a true freshman. I thought we might use 13 personnel more than we did, but we really did. We used 13 personnel a lot less last year than we did in uh, in 2021. I guess we had more, more confidence in... Fitzpatrick, since he had been around the program for a while, just understanding what to do, all those kind of things. And Dub was still young, still learning, but he started to come on late in the season. You obviously saw what he's able to do filling in for Darnell Washington in the Peach Bowl. I'm very, very high on what he'll be able to do for us next year. But like, I think there's going to be a chance for Lawson Lucky and or Pierce Sperlin to find a way to get on the field as well because they just, they, they're both just so talented and they both can do things to help us win football games. And it's a physical sport too, right? Like, you know, like people get banged up, knock on wood, you don't even want to get hurt, but it's really nice to have the luxury of these kind of guys behind your top two tight ends. And maybe we'll see more 13 personnel this year. It's just so hard to keep these talented guys off the field when I think that they can bring a lot to the table. It's just, it's tough now because if you want to go 13 personal, like in, in 2021, we had a lot of receiver issues. We had some receiver issues last year as well. A lot of guys obviously AD missed most of the year, but it's it's tough. Like we're bringing all these really good receivers, go to the transfer portal, you get guys like Rara Thomas and Dominic Love. You have Lab McConkey coming back, Arian Smith, hopefully will be healthy. So when you put three tight ends on the field, that means you're only going to have usually one receiver on the field if you have a running back on the field. So it makes it a little tougher, and it's just t- it's tough to keep all those guys off the field. You got to keep them all happy, so you got to mix and match a little bit. But man, Spurl is really talented, and I think he can absolutely help us in the pass game next year if we need him to. I, I I truly truly do believe that. And finally, our highest rated offensive player in the 2023 class is another offensive lineman, our last offensive lineman of the day. But we're saving the best for last, guys, in terms of offensive linemen prospects in this class. Monroe Freeling from South Carolina. Man, like, again, it's hard to project offensive line. I think that's the toughest position to project. But when I watch Monroe Freeling play, it's really, really hard to see anything other than a future starter at left tackle and I think a future first-round draft pick. I think that highly of this guy. So he's out of Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, 6'6", 294, number 32 nationally. He was a high four-star most of the cycle. Then when the, the final rate rankings updates, he did move up to a five-star. Uh, he's the number five-ranked off the tackle in the country, the number one player in the state of South Carolina. We were able to pull him away from Shane Beamer and company, and damn, I am very excited about that because Monroe Freeling, dude, like this is a legit offensive line prospect. He locks onto the defender and he takes their souls. That's what he does. He locks onto you and he will take your soul. He has 
awesome athleticism. He does need to bulk up and fill out his frame. That's the one area I think he really needs to improve, and I think he will. That's just part of getting into the college into the college strength programs. You get in the nutrition program, they will get him in the kind of shape that he needs to be in. That won't take much time at all. But I truly believe he has multi-year left tackle starter potential. I talked about the length that Pierce Sperlin has that tied in with the 81-inch wingspan. Monroe Freeling just one-upped him a little bit. A verified 84-inch wingspan. That is prototype left tackle length. And he has awesome, awesome feet to go along with it. He can be a fantastic puller for us. And that crazy athleticism at that size really enables him to get up to the second level with relative ease, which is going to help create big play opportunities in the run game, which is something early this season when our run game wasn't really hitting in all cylinders. To me, I said it many times in the first half of the year, that was one of my biggest concerns, the biggest issues I saw with their offensive line is that we were just not getting to the second level the way that we needed to. Once we got to the second level, we would get there, but we wouldn't actually like put a hat on anybody and block anybody. That's not a problem with Monroe Freely. Now, I know the speed of the game is a little bit different at the college level. Obviously, we know that. But, I mean, with his athleticism, I don't think that's going to be a problem for him to make that adjustment. He's got really high-level balance in his pass pro. He anchors really, really well. He's super flexible. You don't really see him get overextended plays with really great leverage. Again, I think this guy is a multi-year left tackle starter, and I think that he has first-round NFL draft potential easily, easily. So I think it's fair to say that he should be the number one player on the offensive side of the ball for us in this class. I think you can make an argument for Pierce Sperlin. And I think, again, I said Tyler Williams, I think could potentially, if he reaches his ceiling, end up being the best player on the offensive side of the ball in this class. But right now, in terms of where they are as players and in, in, in their development right now, I think Monroe Freeling is deserving of being the highest ranked offensive player in this 2023 class. But I'm excited about all these guys. I really am. I think each one of these guys has a chance to be a big time player for us at different points in their career. I don't think that all of them are ready to be year one contributors. That's never going to happen. But I do think we have a number of guys, whether it's Lawson, Lucky, Tyler Williams, maybe even Pierce Sperlin, Monroe Freeling. Like, I, I, I don't really like to put that kind of pressure on offensive linemen. I think it's really, really, really tough to be a starter on the offensive line as a true freshman. You see it from time to time, like truly special players. It's tough, but Monroe Freeling, I mean, if he can get into the system and, and add some weight real quickly, add some strength, he's got that potential. As we know, Roger Jones is moving on. That left tackle spot's open. Ernest Green coming in from last year's class is probably the one with the, that I was pinpointing as the odds on favor right now, but it's certainly not a done deal. There's going to be a competition there. So I think any of these guys, a number of these guys could be impact players for us in year one, and I'm excited about each and every one of them. All right, guys, that's all I've got for you today. We will be back later this week with a couple more episodes. Got some good positive feedback on the Friday Five, so we'll have another edition of that on Friday, and then we'll have another midweek episode for you guys as well. We've got a home basketball game tomorrow night, Tuesday night. I'm recording this on Monday, so Tuesday night I'll be at the basketball game, so I won't have a chance to record on Tuesday, so I'll probably have to do that on Wednesday. So we'll probably have episodes for you guys on late Wednesday night and also late Thursday night. So be looking forward to that. We will have you guys covered like we do each and every week. But thank you guys for being here. Always appreciate it. I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>